Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, another grand Rich and Bellelli show, ever eclectic and including a woman's World Cup ass-kicking, the endless puritanical stranglehold on American society. Why can't we just hang out? Religion's main purpose seems to be distribution of unwarranted shame, coyote in the road, Lakota lullabies, and a mailbag full of great questions. Let's do it! And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli as we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast, episode 158. It's a Rich and Bellelli episode. Across from me, Mr. Daniela Bellelli. Howdy, welcome. Happy June, mid-June. The sun is shining, the tomatoes are in the ground. I harvested squash this week. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than growing your own food and chomping it down. Most definitely, as uh, we went over on a glorious episode, if you guys miss it, with Lawrence Atkins, was awesome. A couple of episodes ago, that was a fun one. Yep. Great discussion on gardening, food, uh, relationship with nature, and all the good stuff. Shall we say a thank you to the sweet folks who keep the lights on? Are there any left? <laughs> there are. There are. We... Uh, is this a Bluetooth episode? This is a Bluetooth episode. Oh, let me get Sorry, I've got a bit of allergy. I don't know if it's going to work. So I'm just saying, Bluetooth, Bluetooth. You make you make coo when you chew a Bluetooth. Oh, it's crunch a Bluetooth. Oh, that, well, we're that, going to go with that one. That's what you get when uh, you sponsor the drunk at Daoist is uh, rich singing. And a sore orgasm counting gnome. Yes. Uh, we're going to be discussing in this episode, uh, we talked about him long, long, long ago, but we bring him back up for this episode, the Orgasm Counting Gnome, which is a rather appropriate mascot for our Bluetooth sponsorship. Absolutely. Ring the bell with yes. Bluetooth. Bluetooth <laughs> will get the Orgasm Counting Gnome to have massive biceps. Only one, though. So but, you don't know what his hobby actually is. He'll yeah. tell you it's ringing the bell, but I don't know. Yeah, the tale of the Orgasm Counting Gnome is that when you're having your glorious sex sessions, there's this gnome that sits on your night shelf, and every time somebody has an orgasm, ring this bell and to celebrate the occasion. So Bluetooth is what is steroids for the orgasm counting gnome. It's basically, you look at the orgasm counting gnome after that, and his biceps are massive because <laughs> the stuff that Bluetooth allow you to do in the sex department is just glorious. Promo code for our listener is DRUNK, D-R-U-N-K. Um, you guys heard are talking about it. This stuff is amazing chewable so you know same fda approved uh, active ingredients as viagra cialis and all that stuff you can take it even on a full stomach start working really quickly because it's a chewable rather than a pill this stuff works 
amazingly. So please, please, please check them out. Special deal. Visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use your special promo code DRUNK. Pay $5 for shipping and that's it. That's what a bargain. Not a bad one. B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Again, promo code DRUNK. Um, check them out, man. I've had several friends. in. I'm going to Italy this summer as usual and I have several friends going, hey, by the way, could you bring me a couple of those blue chew chewables to try out? I'm like, yes, yes, it shall be done. Well, there'll be a whole sack full of them. Right. Is uh, <laughs> I need to place another order now. I need to make sure I have enough for it for the Italy the vacation package. Who want, uh, yeah. So, of course, also thank you to our by now has become our longest lasting sponsor, onnit.com. These guys make incredible products from uh, the alpha brain i'm downing in decent amounts in these days to the three gazillion kettlebells who are there on the rug a few feet away from us where savannah is building her massive muscles thanks to those glorious kettlebells i love that super frisbee that thing was nuts those things are fantastic they are the steel bell i think they are out right now as we record but i hope they come back soon because there's this thing that you throw around from 10, 20, 30 pounds, awesome for grip strength, something that the orgasm counting gnome deeply appreciates. So <laughs> he's everywhere on our sponsors today. But yeah, check out on it. The link is onnit.com forward slash Taoist, spelled with a T. So you get an automatic discount on a bunch of their products. Also, speaking of codes, I haven't announced it in forever. Code Warrior for a discount on the great t shirts at shortdesigntshirts.com. They are incredible. Speaking of which, I'm wearing one right now, our traditional Drunken Taoist logo one in gray. A classic. Absolute classic. We're running short, so I'll have to email them again and say, hey, can we get some shirts back? Because we're kind of out of many of them. If you shop on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. Doesn't cost you a cent extra, and it helps us a whole bunch. I'm buying an expensive monitor through that next week. Right. Please do. Yeah. A couple more shout outs. Um, sweet folks at grasslandbeef.com. Oh, my. Did you get to experiment? Yeah, it's fantastic. We did the roast and um, potatoes and carrots and mushrooms and onions and roast. Life was good, huh? Oh, my God. There's just something about it. It really is. I, I like the grass fed stuff. I've heard people kind of, I don't think. I don't think beef's supposed to be corn flavored. No, fuck that. So check these guys out, grasslandbeef.com. They make incredibly good stuff. Not cheap because, you know, grass-fed stuff is not cheap. If you do things right and not in a nasty feedlot with 7,000 animals packing two feet, it costs more, inevitably. But it's both ethically better, tastes better, everything is cooler about it. So check them out, grasslandbeef.com. Uh, one of the guys who have been sweet to us in the past sending us some coffee is noroast.com, uh, code TAO and the number 18 for a 15% discount on awesome coffee. So I know there are thousands of you guys who are listening now drink coffee. Check this guy out. He's a sweet drunken Taoist listener. Snowroast.com, code TAO18 for a discount. And also, last shout out to nevertapgear.com. In addition to making braces for your knees and protect your joints, they are adding new products. They have the Tomogods and Rush Guard designed by Savannah. They have a Jiu-Jitsu planner for your workouts, which I'll get more into a future episode, but it's basically perfect for 
martial arts nerds like me. So check these folks out. Having said all this, we're ready to roll. Here we go. Let the controversy begin. Let's roll. moment boom 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 everybody's singing except me you are isabella is <laughs> that by the way was a lakota lullaby so the strange words you heard they're like this is not american what is she speaking well that is couldn't be more american right it's actually more <laughs> it's a lakota language it's a cute lullaby that isabella loves to sing so that's the one. There's a video actually that's fairly hilarious on YouTube that Savannah put on where Isabella is singing that one to Azog the Defiler and Azog passes out and falls asleep in Savannah's arm more or less about three seconds after she starts singing and he's all like reclined backward with his head rolling back. It's hilarious. So he didn't get to the part of the song where she sings, we were here long before you got here and we'll be here long after you're gone. Yeah, right, because that's the the other part where usually some people get a little edgy. We, we won't go there. No, we'll just put some cute babies and puppies to sleep with the lullaby. Let's see. Isabella events of the latest uh, period. What do we got? Um, oh, man, the joys of parenthood. So check this out. Isabella was all, you know, badass in many ways, and she likes being tough, and she tries to, you know... She's doing push-ups all the time and she has Savannah around. So she has that model of like, oh, I want to be strong. I want to be tough. She goes to Taekwondo five days a week, all of that stuff. There's actually a line that was pretty funny. Somebody said uh, uh, on Facebook, I think somebody asked, so does Isa have an Arya Stark poster in a room? <laughs> and somebody else replied, no, it's Arya Stark who has an E's poster in a room. Where I was like, yeah, that seems to fit. But... That's one side of the story. The other side of the story is that you're still a nine-year-old girl, and it's great that you're still a nine-year-old girl, and you have the sweetness and mellow and all of that stuff. But the other day manifested itself in a rather funny way. She called me. I mean, I stayed up to work until probably 1 a.m., right? 3 a.m. she calls me, and she had a bad dream. And I'm like, okay, that's great. It's 3 a.m. I would like to go back to sleep. And I clearly see 
that's not happening. Like, I touch her forehead, it's all damp with sweat. Oh. She's all like breathing fast. She's all like freaked out, right? Really freaked out. And so, like, okay, I got it. So, I lay down on the rug right next to her bed and I spend like, I'm face down halfway trying to sleep halfway like i'm making up stories about a dog who loves tacos and <laughs> and i kid you not i spent an hour and a half like that and uh, by the time she was happy in dreamland eventually he, i could not sleep anymore of course so completely I went, awake um, at that point. completely awake i i didn't do that in you know it hadn't been a long time that i went a night with two hours of sleep I was not the head. I mean, on one end, it was weird. It's like I went back to bed and I was trying to fall asleep and I realized I couldn't. And one part of me was really happy because I was not snappy at all with her. I was not edgy. I was being really nice and mellow and just help her breathe and relax. And, and, you know, it took forever, but she was happy, right? She felt taken care of. She felt protected. She felt happy. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Worth it, you know? The only part that was mildly worrisome was when I was taking a long drive the next day on two hours of sleep and, you know, I was dozing off and suddenly I'm like, hey, why can't I see the road anymore? Because your eyes are closed, motherfucker, (laughs) open them right now. I'm like, oh, (laughs) scary, scary. That part was not so fun, but um, other than that, I was like, you know, if she did it all the time, yeah, that would be an issue, but it happens once in a million years and is a reminder that she's a... Sweet little girl, too, not just this uh, I'm tough beast. And you have to enjoy it while you can because it goes by so quick. Absolutely. So I'm Ethan like, got his wisdom teeth taken out last week. And it was that's, just nice to have him all the way down to need some help. And right. Here's some chicken soup. And yeah, yeah, where he reminds you of uh, the, the whole, whole process. Day, just for a minute, you know? Yeah. Because it's amazing. Maybe Iz was having a, a dream that she was a um, Thai soccer player. And um, it just confronted the Americans. Oh, my God. I saw that they got murdered. What do you think about that, though? People bitching about them running the score up. Well, I think there are, for those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, there was a soccer game between the female soccer teams of uh, Thailand and the United States. United States won 13-0. to zero. It's Ladies World Cup right now. Yeah, Ladies World Cup. Now, the part that's... Okay, it is the trick. Some people complain that after you're clearly dominating, you should stop scoring. I tend to disagree with that one. And if I read your hint correctly, I think that's where you're going to, which is the... Dude, it's a game. You show respect by playing hard. You don't show respect by taking the day off. And, you know, after you've uh, clearly won the game, you stop. It's not soccer game at the AYSO on a Saturday morning when no. there's a mercy rule. No, exactly. These ladies... And it's the World Cup. This ain't no messing around. I agree. However, here is my... On one end, I completely agree with that. The other side where I'm, I do see the point of the criticism is not the running up the score, it's the celebrating. You are 11 to 0. Do you really do the whole dance and kind of rub their nose into it after you just... You can do that the first three, four goals. When it's over, it's like you're, you're dominating. You're supposed to do it. You know, you're not... Do you really feel like... You, at what point do you stomp jumping up and down going like we are so cool you suck you know it's like it's a tough one i think the most interesting thing i found out is that the final uh game that got thailand to qualify they beat that team 13 to nothing which team whatever some local southeast asian thing yeah Yeah, it was another country and i can't think of it right now no but that's so i mean that's how it goes sometimes and i think the thing that really 
number one tiebreaker is goals scored. No, and I have no problem with the score part. Uh, I have a thing in general with celebration. We, because in a game where it's built on, like most games are, where somebody wins, somebody loses, it kind of bugs me when you are sort of rubbing their face in it, which inevitably what a lot of like over-the-top celebrating is like. Because the reality is, uh, I mean, I look at, especially in MMA, where it's not just who scores the most point, but, you know, you have... Who knocks the most teeth out. Yeah, you have not only destroyed somebody's dream, you have also probably done some physical damage to them. I understand it because you have been hyped for six months on this thing. You put sweat and blood into training, so you're hyped up, you won, ecstasy. But I do find it so much cooler when you don't. You know, when you're happy Mm -hmm. to have won, but there's also, along with that triumph, there's a recognition that something sad is also happening right there in that same cage, you know? where this other person was is different if you hate each other. Okay, that's a different story. But if you don't, which most cases you don't, it's just some other fighter could be you and actually will be you on a different day. Yeah. You know, be happy for yourself, but acknowledge the fact that somebody else is crushed right now. And so maybe doing the whole song and dance right on their bleeding corpse, <laughs> that's not the, the way to go. You know, that's actually one thing that I never talk to her about it in details, but I really like about Savannah's approach to MMA. Never celebrate. I see. Never. Like, first time she got the big KO, didn't even raise her hand up. You know, it Job was done. like, same thing, last fight in one big deal events, just referee stops it, she gets out, shake hands, nothing. You know, just, she's happy, you know, she has a smile, but that's it. That's as far as it goes. Yeah, we know she's a special model, though. Sure. And in fact, <laughs> I agree that there's people are wired differently. However, I do think, to me, it's the same thing like hunting. Okay, I've got nothing against hunting if you hunt for food, right? You yeah. hunt for food, you hunt ethical, you don't hunt young animals. You know, you, you check all the boxes. Then I have less problem with hunting than I do with commercial farming stuff in 500 zillion cows in a tiny feedlot, you yeah. know? However, what I kind of bugs me, and again, I understand it's a cultural thing. Most people do it, so you don't even question it, and that's how it's done. It kind of bugs me, the whole picture with the corpse thing. You know, I'm just like, dude, you're going to eat. You did it. It shows skill. It shows patience. It shows all those things. You did a good job. Great. Do you really need to take a picture with the dead deer with the big smile while you flex muscles? To me, it's like... There's a glow. I think the difference is between doing something which maybe either needs to be done or that's your job, like the soccer team thing, and it's fine and it's good, and gloating about it. I zero problem with the action. I tend to be uncomfortable with the gloating. That's the part where, and again, it's different if it's just you succeeded, period. You painted this amazing painting and everybody loves it. Clap, clap, clap. That's great. But when you, your success is built inevitably on somebody else's failure, whether it is in a sports scenario or whether it is in hunting in a literal sense where somebody gets to live, somebody gets to die, the gloating, I'm less than super positive about it. I tell you, this hunting, I saw a woman killed a, a black giraffe, which I didn't even know existed, right. which she clearly will not be eating. Well, but that's different. That's trophy hunting. You need to be shot in the balls. You know, that's... so uh, unacceptable. Yeah, that's a complete... That's fucked up. Not just the gloating part, even the action part. You know, that's different scenario, right? That's bad, period. 
But to me, I'm interested in the ones where I don't mind the action. Because I, you know, what you're saying is 100% correct, right? There's certain cases are fucked up in all contexts. There's no, but the ones where the action is okay, but the whole gloating picture, muscle flexing thing, I feel like is. Um, I think they feel like that's what they're supposed to do because it's all they've ever seen. And, and I think, a, and that's why I don't judge it even because I understand that for some people it's not even a conscious, I'm going to celebrate that you motherfucker are dead or I'm going to celebrate that I kick your head into tomorrow and you're laying unconscious. It's not done in a malicious way. It's just that's how everybody does it, right? So well, why? usually you cut the tongue out first so it won't be dangling out for right. a picture. That's an important move. And that I hope is you're referring to the hunting and not to the MMA because that would be problematic. I haven't seen that yet. Okay, but that would be a problem, yes. especially the, the post-game interview. Yeah. Would really be it would confusing. kind of throw in them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I don't know, that's one thing that's, again, maybe it's just my own weird thing. I find it, so on the soccer thing, zero problem with, playing hard the whole game do have a problem with uh, the gloating when you're crashing somebody in humiliating fashion yeah i just think some of that i think the last couple of goals were girls that were rotated in because you can't you can't just put the whole bench in of course so that's kind of a problem and now you got somebody who first world cup yeah possibly was never going to see the field sure and, and you score a goal you're going to jump up and down yeah yeah yeah. no i get it. it's a tough one i do think they have put themselves uh, dangerously, karmically out there to get swatted back. For sure. For sure. Because uh, that's the damn, reality. are they good too? So. No, no, in fact, it's fascinating stuff for sure. So, other Isabella thing. Let's jump into. No, she did not beat Thailand or fought in MMA, but here is what she did. Um, we were unusually early on our way to school a few days ago. Probably. What? Well, that never happens, but that's also because I'm not the one who woke up to take her. Savannah prepared everything, set her up, and with Savannah she moves quick, unlike with me, so everything was ready to roll, I just had to drive her, which by the way, that's one of the things that Savannah has been doing that has improved the quality of my life dramatically, my body is just not built to wake up early, <laughs> and all these years of taking this to school has been fucking torture, because that's not how my rhythm works, I'm built to stay up till one and wake up at 9.30, that's good life so that has been amazing because savannah has been mostly taking her to school she wakes up early so i'm happy in this case so i wake up but i just need to drive her so easy enough since we're early we're driving around the canyons around here and we saw a coyote just really close to the side of the road so we pulled over stopped the car we just sat down on the side of the hill to check this coyote secretly we are hoping that he would just pull out a package from acme corporation and would start uh Assembling a, a catapult around. and chasing the road rather. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so we were watching the coyote, we were sitting down, and I think, you know, her mind was just freely going, and she started offering some anthropological wisdom, not in something in her, in her school. She said that in her experience going to school, little boys, little girls basically hardly ever play together. There's like two entirely different universes where there's minimal to no interaction between the two sides. And that the reason why there's an anthropological side to it is because she say whenever she goes to vacation in Italy, she has zero problem playing with boys. Like boys are cool playing with girls, girls are cool playing with boys. There's less of this hard divide along gender lines. There is a little, but it's minor. Whereas out here, she says, like, I basically 
don't interact with any of the boys none of the boys ever interact with girls there's like all girls play with girls all boys play with boys there's minimal overlap there well fifth grade's here that's gonna that's gonna flip no of course <laughs> but but even that's weird it's like because it's like okay so you spend your whole childhood you spend your all the other lessons in one way and then suddenly switch and it's like if you are completely uninterested in a gender in terms of human interaction and friendship suddenly the light turns on just because you want to have sex because that's going to be the one thing that suddenly it's a little and she was wondering you know why that is why is it that specifically in american culture of course not just american culture it happens in a bunch of other places around the world but why is there more of a hard divide here than there is in some other places and you know so we're looking at the coyote and musing and wondering what it is that tend to keep genders apart more so in U.S. than uh, in in other places. One thing that we are toying around with as a possible theory, because I remember it too. I mean, I remember growing up in Italy throughout my life until I left. I had a bunch of female friends, and they were not friends that I was like, oh, I'm friends, but I'm really just hoping to get in your pants kind of friends. You know, they were actually friends. They were, I like you as a human being. I'm not particularly attracted to you, but you're awesome. And it's awesome to hang out. Or even if I am attracted, sure, maybe we will look up, maybe we won't, but that's not the point. You know, the point is I enjoy your company. This is fun to hang around. We have great conversations, you know, that... And when I started moving to US, I realized that half of the time, anytime in my mind, like... I think I've been on so many dates where I didn't know they were dates because in my mind it was like, just hanging out. It's fun. You're a cool person. We'll chat. And and that's not the way it works out here. It's like if a man and a woman go out alone, it's almost 99%. It's a date. Otherwise, why would you? And so to me, it's unfamiliar, right? And we are tossing theories for what is it that makes that makes it different, about American culture. Puritanical garbage sewn into the fabric of the society. I think you may be onto something. That's definitely what it is. Is that what it is? Of Just course. this layer of... That poison uh, that they dropped out long ago still lingers. So that everything has a sexual overtone. And and an incorrect one at that. Like, like you were saying, where it's not even appropriate or even meant to be associated with just conversations or hanging out or drinking coffee right um that's what it has to be i was, I was remembering back kind of second third grade I, I didn't i kind of hung out with everybody you did okay i guess those few future theater kids are just that way no <laughs> and the thing is i'm sure there are exceptions to this rule right yeah. i'm sure there are places in u.s where this happens and, and you're totally that, right you know, but i mean like, you know general playground you know be smear the queer which you definitely can't call it that anymore i don't know what it would be tackle the fool or whatever you know that would kind of be going on with the boys but you probably can't play that anymore because it's too dangerous and the girls would be over on the merry-go-round which doesn't exist anymore because it's too dangerous so who knows you sit on your foam pad outside in the sunshine in probably with a shield over you to protect right. you from skin cancer in different areas of the playground yeah and just sort of separate it out i um i don't know man i clearly time is slipping past and whatever the millennials and generation z have cooked up they're just going to do it so yeah measuring it can be fun but wow here it comes and it's going to be different 
For sure. And it's different, you know, generationally things are different. different. Technology, for sure. And it's different culturally from one place to the next, yeah. right? I mean, even today, something like this, I do notice differences between Italy and the US. And, uh, and, it's inter- and she was kind of, I mean, she wasn't mad. She wasn't like whining about it, but she was kind of lamenting it a little bit. She was like, dude, this kind of sucks. Why do we have to confine ourselves to 50% of the population when it comes to friendship, you know? It doesn't make any Where, sense. Yeah, and it's, um, and I think you nailed it. I think there is this weird Puritan bullshit attached to everything where it's like female, male, the only purpose of fe- everything is about sex, clearly. So any interaction between a female and a male must be sexual in nature. Every, And so kind of by casting this heaviness on everything, which, I mean, fuck, even if you are attracted to somebody, okay? Let's say you are not a little kid, you're older, you are attracted to somebody. Maybe you want to hang out just to realize, do I actually like this person? And it doesn't have to be a fucking date every time, you know? It's like, it's let's play, let's relax, let's hang out. We go with friends or alone, or it doesn't fucking matter, you know? You're just interacting with another human where sex is not always the one thing that drives, uh, that it's all about. That's like the end, the one and only end goal. Everything else is like a stepping stone to get there. I'm like, dude, that makes it weird. Look at how all these gender roles are like carved in the stone though. I mean, even trying to switch it from the 50s till now, it's mm-hmm. been slow. You can't get the Equal Rights Amendment passed. I mean, you think things that would be no brainers, especially they got 51%. <laughs> they shouldn't right. be able to do everything. And it's just slowly are we opening our eyes to wow look that part of the house of representatives all old white guys um that sort of thing is deep deep into history because that's the way it was for 240 years and and before and when you have the stranglehold of religion that still sort of just keeps people shamed and yeah it's a terrible thing. The part that drives me insane about what you bring up with is the internalized values. When it's not just somebody who is sort of benefiting from the system who's pushing these values, yeah. but the people who theoretically are not benefiting from it, right? It's like, I mean, sometimes like I've seen some of the worst misogyny coming from women against other women. Mind blown. Right? And they're just... Same thing. I mean, there's... Uh, I've seen a shitload of internalized racism within a group where it's just the... Uh, hey, you know, you have kids that are... Some are lighter skin, some are darker skin, and the lighter skin get favor in Latin American family or in Asian family or like all over, right? And I'm just like, holy shit, that's seriously playing a number in your psyche, right? When it's like... Those those messages have sunk so deep that even when you remove the external bullshit of discriminatory laws or even if the culture is beginning to shift, at least officially, underneath there's still all that stuff has sunk so deep inside people's brain that it's hard to dislodge it. Well, at last, I mean, I always haven't mentioned it in a while, but Rwanda, mm-hmm. the Belgium, yep. set this shit up, right? program people. You're this, you're that, we like you, we don't like you, jealousy, percolate 55 years, boom. Yep. And we go right back down to zero. Yep, 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 yep. yep. I mean, how do you get any lower than that? No, it's... um, We're a crazy lot. It's very trippy how that works, which is why I think it's a really healthy exercise to really stop to think about what your values are 
how you want to embody them. I mean, if your life matches those values, where is that? There's a disconnect there. And also, and this is interests me a lot lately, is uh, what's behind the stated values. Because in many cases, there are, there are people who shall go unnamed, but there are people that I can think of where some of the stuff they say have nothing to do with what they believe well yeah and also there's a dog whistle underneath like what's being said on the surface yeah i can agree but i know exactly where you are going with it like for example i'll give you an example the whole talk about personal responsibility right of course of course personal responsibility is fucking important you want to make sure to take your shit seriously you want to get stuff done you want to be responsible you want to be somebody who's reliable 100 percent, i agree if I hear it from certain people, I'm like, yeah, you're 300% right. That's all there is to it. But then I hear it from other people and the words sound the same, except I know exactly what you mean when you say that. And half of the time is uh, fucking lazy black people that expect everything to be handed to them. They need to learn personal responsibility. So your call for personal responsibility, which again is a cool topic really you are meaning something else and everything else that you say in your life is pointing that way so even when you say something that i agree with i'm like yeah not really because i know what's behind it there you know and so that becomes uh that adds another layer of complexity because it's like hey you know you agree on that topic what's the problem it's like yeah i agree with the topic but i know what's attached to it and what's uh, what's being sold with it it's sort of like those uh, Senate bills where the title sounds so cool and the main point is so cool, but they attach 3,000 provisions that are completely poisonous with it. That's similar type of pattern there. I don't know. It all is becoming more terrifying by the week. At the same time, you know, tomatoes are in the garden. Life is fun. It's a sunny day in Southern California. That's what I try to focus on. Right. It is amazing how relaxing the gardening is. Yes. Not only the tomatoes in the garden, I got my first crop of squash this week. Sweet. Patty pans, which are these crazy little yellow squishy things. And then uh, the Mexican zucchini, which is sort of a grayer version of it. Oh As our pal Lauren Atkins would say, that's that, that, that makes a difference right there. That's great for mental health. It is great. Yeah. I love it. I, you know, there are 30 minutes of every day of my life that I spend out there. Pulling some weeds, making sure everybody's okay. Smoking some weeds. Oh, man. I don't smoke as much as no, I used to. You're I'm done? almost on a. Yeah. I, I, did, I did. We went and saw the, the littlest garden, the littlest farm. The biggest little farm is what it's called. And um, I did have a little when we went to see that movie. And they did a really good job. I got, you know, any farm movie, I got to check out and right. see what's what. And, Isn't it funny, though, that now that, at least in California, weed is basically legal, it's like, yeah. It's okay. That's nice once in a while, but it's there's less obsession with it in terms of uh, less worry, man. Right. Less worry. We we would never back in Tennessee ever have as much weed as we have in our house. Of course. I mean, when you're farming it, and to, oh, here's a giant bag of crystally leaves I forgot about. Of course. That sack would have got everybody in the house carted off to jail. For now it's just uh, yeah, it's now it's just a byproduct of our uh, of farming. Yeah, and you're like legal farming. Oh yeah, it's there. Whatever. I yeah. guess we'll smoke once in a while. And oh, if anybody still... were to kick the door in, right? Just take it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I got eighteen more in the garden. Right. No, it's funny, man. It is mind-blowing, man. It really is. I, I don't know. 
it was people talking about New York and how every religion is there and every sort of person. We have the exact same thing here in L.A. Oh, yeah. I think it would really behoove folks to come out and give us a visit. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I think, is one of the primary reasons why I was attracted to move into L.A., was exactly for that reason, that in the span of a few miles, well, actually not that few, they are LA's humongous, but in the span of a city, you have pretty much people from every single country in the world, foods from every single country in the world. Everyone you look at look different. You see faces that growing up in Italy, I would have never run in. It's like, it's so cool. It's, you hear every uh, language going. Yeah. And as I always say, so far from perfect. This insanity with our homeless problem right now. Sure. But it's not being ignored. Right, right. People are waking up. We realize something has to be done. And we're going to figure something out. We're not just going to leave these people to oh, live no, in I mean, squalor. I mean, no, I'm not saying LA is perfect. I'm saying I'm really attracted to the, the cultural aspect of yeah. a place where you find literally stuff from every corner of the world. It's, uh, it's fascinating. It's, uh, to me, it's very culturally stimulating. Like, there are a bunch of times where I travel places and I go like, man, this place is awesome. I would live here in a heartbeat. And then I start thinking about it. And I'm like, every single person looks the same. The food is the same in every restaurant. The stuff, I'm just like, shit, this would get old rather quick. I mean, it's cool. It's still great, but... And I wouldn't want to take that away from them. I'm not looking to uh, homogenize everything, but man, they should could, they could sure benefit from a visit here. Well, and that's the thing that to me is the opposite of homogenize when you have choices. Yeah. If there is no choice and everything is the same 100%, that is killing the choice. Whereas if nobody's saying it needs to disappear, but if it's a choice among others, it's a lot more interesting than if it's like... Guess what we're having today? It's meat and potato day again. And it's oh. like, I like meat and potatoes, but you know what I mean. It's Occasionally like, you need a little sushi if, in your if life. If there's a choice involved there, it's a lot nicer than if it's uh, every single day that's all you're exposed to. I don't know. I, I still can't give up on the fact that I think we can make it work. Because yep. I see this work really well, and it gives you hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the growing hate is terrifying. It's that's why it's a very interesting race. Forces of destruction, forces of creation, they're both really powerful and moving fast. All right, get your helmet on, everybody. I find something very strange happening with the digital mailbag. Why? Is, did you see one snuck in there that's not digital? It's just got my handwriting on it? Yes. There's a question from a certain mystery achievers. I found myself in a situation uh, encountering something that I'd heard of in the ether. I've seen kind of uh, in the world, but I'd never actually had somebody confront me with it. Trigger words? Yes. Do tell. I'm not going to name names, but uh, we were off having a visit somewhere, and um, along the way, someone may or may not have said the word retard. Uh-huh. 
To which our response was, that's one of my trigger words. And she was immediately triggered and off she went. And to me, it kind of blew my mind. How can that actually wow. exist? Yeah, I thought this was, okay, this is a sad case where right-wing propaganda is correct. And it didn't seem to help, I think, that I immediately went to, well, I find trigger words retarded. Right. Which doubled down on that and then created a <laughs> bit of a situation. But, yes. you know, after trying to untangle it a bit, and I wasn't looking to get anybody all riled up, but um, how can a word... I mean, what is the deal? Do you have a list? Do you walk around with a list? And it's like, if I hear purple today, I'm going to flip my lid because purple is one of my trigger words. And I can maybe understand if maybe your little brother was mentally handicapped sure, sure. in some way or something like that. But it was nothing like that at all. It's like, how dare you? First of all, millennial or Generation yeah. Z or more likely. Um, I've used the word retard a lot of times in my life. And I could see if I was making fun of a Down syndrome person or something yeah, like that, that would be that. horrific yeah, and terrible and wrong. Yeah. But I've never in my life used it to uh, attack the downtrodden or the mentally disabled. I have used it to, to for retarded assholes that are being retarded. Well, but that's the thing that to me is like, how dare you say idiot? Are you making fun of people with lower level IQ? How dare you say it's like come that's on, one of man. my trigger words? Damn it! Watch out now. Right now, I'm gonna spin around in a circle and buzz. I mean, ah! I, what? Yeah. No. What no. What does no. that even mean? No, I'm with you. I think it's um, to me context is everything. It's like how you use a word is more interesting than that. Like the idea that the word immediately triggers a reaction, regardless of context, regardless of how it's used, who's using it, why is it part of that just weird. Because it's like, hey man, relax a little bit, you know, breathe. No, you're not on, an air, on a trigger. You're not that if somebody pressed the fuck, I just kick punch he, the microphone. He's so upset he, he triggered yeah. his microphone. Uh, you're not in a... Like that's an admission of stupidity because it's like if somebody grazes your skin and your immediate reaction is auto, I see red, bull, charge. That's not being smart. That's not being wise. That's not being anything desirable. That just kind of sucks. Now, <laughs> if the context is that you're using it in a certain way where you are being, uh, you know, a complete racist dick, so you use a term that's kind of racist and use it in a way that's super racist. That's Certainly. different than if like... Uh, two people from that ethnicity use the derogatory word about themselves. That's a completely different scenario, right? Or yep. even if you know you, there are ten thousand cases that are all different from one another, and some of those are okay, and some of those are not. To me, like intention is way more important than the words being spoken. And so that's where, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, but this is unfortunately where the shit that I hate, which is all the bullshit right-wing propaganda on, you know, these fucking social justice warriors and all of that. People like what you are running, people like the one you run into are exactly why all the right-wing bullshit exists because they are the living embodiment of all the stereotypes that these guys argue is the norm out there for everybody. I like to... The fact that I don't run into people like that very often or hardly ever to basically say barely even exists. But of course, when you do run into, you're reminded eh, it's stunning. a little bit of truth there. Is, there always is. And it's unsettling and unfortunate, but that's the reality. And, and these incidentally, you know, some of the, you know, let's say somebody hate uh, Trump. 
this kind of shit is precisely what gets Trump re-elected or got elected him in the first place. You know what I mean? Is the taking these stances, which in itself, you know, what's behind it? That you want to be fair to everybody? That's a good thing. That you don't want to put somebody down? That's a good thing. That you don't want to be mean to people who have... Uh, mental issues or physical handicaps that's totally cool all those things are right but now you took them to from a place of that's a good healthy thing to such an extreme that you create a backlash in people who are a little less than enlightened their thing will be well in that case fuck you and your trigger warnings and fuck the concept itself Oh, then everything associated with being nice to somebody who has mental issues that means even that's some political correct bullshit. It's like, no, that was the good stuff. Is where this person took it that it's unhealthy. You know, there's a difference between not being a racist dick, healthy, versus being an overbearing, annoying, ultra-politically correct, supposedly anti-racist person. With a whole list of things that are going to freak you out. Yeah, those are two very different things. And I think that's the problem. If you take a healthy concept... And you take it so far to the extreme that it's no longer a healthy concept. You have done more of a disservice to that very concept that you profess to defend than the people who attack it. That's exactly the way I felt about it. Right? It's crazy. And you give them ammunition. That's why you find people, I guess, in answer to one of the questions we raised in a previous episode that we had are... Why do people who are seemingly decent human beings on board with some of the stuff where we would be on board when flip the switch so hard in an unhealthy direction? Well, this is why. They get exposed to shit like this. They get understandably turned off. But rather than then doing the smart thing, which is like, this person is taking a healthy concept too far and that's really dumb and we should watch for that they completely flip the script. It's like that very concept is poisonous. That's, that very concept is the bad thing that, you know, there's... And they go completely the other route. And so these two damn extreme end up feeding each other. And it's just sad, man. It's just like, you really have to take it that far. Come on, man. Well, it's a young person. Hopefully she'll figure it out. Yeah, but even, like, think about it. It's like, who the fuck in the right mind will say, that's my trigger warning. I'm so offended. Like, that's supposed to mean something. I can't think. I would run the other way as fast as I possibly could. I mean, how, why would you want to even experience that? And, of course, if you have one, well, what's the rest of the list? Or can you say the list? Or will you be triggered yeah, yeah, by yeah. saying your list? No, and that's the thing. Is like, to me, of course, there are words that tend to be pretty fucked up, right? Of course. It's like there's a bunch of racist terms that are like, I cannot think of too many contexts in which they are okay. There's the occasional one where I can say, but very rare, right? Or there's like one word that bothers me, for example, that I really tend to puts me in a frame of mind that make me look at whatever you're going to say twice really carefully to really see what you mean. Like the word slut kind of pissed me off because I'm like the whole concept of shaming people because of their sexual behavior. And the way that normally being used is unless you live to a really restrictive view of uh, sex within marriage in a committed relationship, then you're a slut. That, that bothers me, right? But again, it depends on the context. Depends how you're using it. Depends on, generally speaking, I find it a word that sort of got on my nerves. But again, there are 10,000 exceptions. So, you know, I understand, yes, some words will get you to go, oh, what's being said here? But then look at what's fucking being said. Don't just go like, word, equal reaction. I am so mad and offended. You are a bad person. It's like, just, you know, breathe. 
the sun is out, life is still going on, it's okay. And you can still wear your flame retardant pajamas. Yeah, and just to use trigger words, don't be such a little bitch. <laughs> what else is in that mailbag? <laughs> so, on that note... Ooh, it seems that the mailbag is extra hot. What is that one there? It's glowing. Yes, we got from Bethany McBride a bunch of sex questions. Oh my! Which is always good. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my uh, eyes wide shut mask on. So let's start with <laughs> that visual is really disturbing. So let's start with. <laughs> Do you think prostitution will be legalized in U.S.? And how long do you think it would take? Do you think that within our lifetime, semi-distant future? Yeah, that's an interesting one because, you know, you see all the finally after decades of bullshit, it seemed like the war on drugs is losing pieces every day. And so there's, you know, clearly attitudes have changed regarding marijuana. There's a decent possibilities that will be changing about other stuff as well in the future. I, New York is moving to um, legalize sex work like last week well and that's the other thing so it's like my question then become related to what she's saying is why is it that we are seeing this shift happening where it is happening when it comes to certain drugs at least doesn't seem to be happening other than some example like what you just brought up doesn't really seem to happen a whole lot when it comes to sex work because like technically speaking as of maybe a week ago i don't i haven't looked in the new york thing but like there's one place in all of United, like prostitution is illegal in 49 and a half states and is only legal in rural counties in Nevada in the US. Yeah. Okay. Now, it's obvious that much like the war on drugs, the um, crackdown on prostitution does not deliver any of the stuff that's supposed to in terms of good healthy things and actually compounds the problem. Yep. You know, there are some people that argue that legalized prostitution would increase a sex trafficking. How in the fucking world can you make that argument? It's like if something is reported in your face, not hidden in a way that's regulated, how is that going to lead to more abuse than an industry that's kept uh, hidden, secretive, away from the eyes of the law, away from regulation, away from anything? It's like, of course it's not. It's the opposite. It's like, much like, you know, you don't have to, if you look at prohibition, prohibition on alcohol gave a tremendous rise to criminal organizations who got more and more powerful as a result of that. Of course, crackdown on prostitution versus prostitution being a regulated legal business is a gift to criminal organization, is a gift to sex traffickers, is a gift to all of that, right? So on a purely objective level, it seems to me that that would be an open and shut case. It's like philosophically it's an open and shut case because it's like, look, as long as we're talking adults and as long as we're talking willing prostitution, not sex trafficking, then what the fuck is wrong with trading sex for money? Or, you know, the same way as I don't fucking want to go to a job that kills my soul every day, but it's okay to do it if I'm picking strawberries or if it's okay to do it if I'm shutting a cubicle that pisses me off. Or it's, it's okay to trade my physical and mental energy for something I don't necessarily enjoy for money. But somehow, if we're talking sex, that whole game is different. The fuck? Why? Well, I uh, I think it goes back to what was it that Thaddeus Russell that came yeah. and talked about the madams having the control of all the towns back sure. in the Wild West, 
they certainly didn't care for that. And uh, the list that could be created of who likes what, when, and where, you wouldn't want that to be easily disseminated. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about different topics. It goes back to some of these bullshit Puritan heritage of stuff that cast sex in a light as completely different from any other aspect of life. Well, yeah, that whole that whole you southern know? states would never, ever, ever, not that they wouldn't participate, but they would never legalize it. And That's Robert Kraft. I mean, how about that? The, the, the guy, uh, he, he's got enough money to own the Patriots, but still has to go to some rub and tug joint to uh, get his rocks off. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, and to me, it's like, Okay, let's look at the benefits. And there's a shitload of people who, for very good reason, can get laid. And they are angry as hell. And they are edgy. And they are. And if the legal option existed for you go to a professional who makes you happy, make sure you. F- I think he would do wonders for a lot of people's mental health. You Can you ma- could you think maybe the number of mass killings right. might plummet? Exactly. Is or as we did uh, once in a long ago drunken Taoist episode, we had uh, there was a great story of this dude who was about to off himself, who decided to spend his savings on uh, drugs and uh, hookers in Mexico, <laughs> and he was like halfway through, I'm like, hey, life is not that bad. I want to live. <laughs> I want to live. <laughs> yes. So to me, it's like philosophically, it doesn't make sense because you are squashing people's freedom of choice to do what they want with their body. Because of what? Because of your bullshit morality? How about if you are so opposed to prostitution? And by the way, I'm seeing the reason, you know, I, I'm not telling, you know, go be a hooker. Everybody should do prostitution. That's not what I'm saying. Maybe you have a good reason why you think that's not a great choice. That's fine. That's your choice. You know, that's what freedom is, is you don't have to do it. Nobody's telling you you have to. The whole point is allowing people a choice, allowing people the option to choose what they do with their life. And certainly there's a niche, for, you know, a, a nice nymphomaniac that just can't get enough. Absolutely. I mean, I'm certain most of us would not want that to be our gig, but I'm also certain there's folks that would not mind it that much. And also it depends on a lot of factors. You know, what are your alternatives? Is your alternative go to work for $8 an hour in a shitty place where you get treated like crap and you don't have money to pay the bills at the end of the day? That's supposed to be the healthy solution. Uh, also, what are the conditions? How much control do you have on it? You know, I've seen, shit, I met a lady once who was, um, spoke six languages, graduate from UCLA, clearly super highly well-educated, had a day job. I think she was doing real estate or some shit. She was making money. And she had a side gig as a, set, as a sex worker. But because she didn't need it that bad, the way she did it is I approach it almost as dating where I get paid is uh, I I pick my clients. There's a super strict screening process. I have to feel that, yeah, I want to be there. That's cool. That's something I'm up for. And that's different because that's putting the power into the lady's hand to actually have a choice in this regard, rather than being, uh, you know, sort of like, of course, even when we talk sex works, there's such a gap between this scenario that's like the ideal for the sex worker where they make a bunch of money, they have power, they versus the street level. Yeah, the worst. So clearly, not everything about sex work is either great or terrible. There are horrendously bad cases. There are cases that are actually pretty, they work pretty fucking well for the people involved. 
and there's a lot of gray zone in between, which if we really want to get into, I can think of a lot of jobs that fit the same dynamics where some part of it may be awesome, some people may make it work out awesome, and others are flat out terrible, you know? So what's the difference, again, it boils down to sex and the attitudes towards sex being so repressive. And again, this is not just an American thing, because there is a bunch of countries that have attitudes that are as repressive or considerably more repressive and consider the wow. United States a heaven of free love kind of thing. So... Well, don't hang your gay pride flag anywhere in the yeah, embassy. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, like, look, go through a shitload of the Muslim war today and see what attitudes are regarding sexuality. It's like, there's, there are a bunch of places around the world that have attitudes towards sex that are way stricter than what exists in U.S. So I'm not, you know, doing a let's pick on U.S. kind of thing. But if we're going to create an ideal culture, I can think of ways that life in the United States could be made a little more desirable. And this is definitely one of, like, changing attitudes towards sexuality would definitely be one of them. So is it going to happen or not? I mean, I'm not seeing a lot of signs right now, you know. And I am seeing the fact that uh, there are seems to be many people who have a little more sort of freedom-loving ideals in their mind when it comes to personal life. Yeah. Uh, and these I see it across the political spectrum. While traditionally this has been more of a leftist thing, now I see there's a shitload of libertarians who are clearly not leftists who are very much in favor of this kind of personal freedoms. And Amnesty International has definitely gone out and saying it would save lives and, and help disease for sure. I just don't see it, based on where we're at right now, I don't see it happening too soon. So you don't think it's going to be a, a high plank on the 2020 election? Mm, I'm afraid <laughs> maybe not. maybe even 2060. I would make it. Daniele Bolelli for president. That would be one of my campaign uh, campaign things. Because, I mean, I, I really think it's like it's... There's a ton of people involved in the sex industry in one way or another, and their life can be made so much better. Never mind the life of a bunch of people who use the sex industry or could probably, it would not be a bad idea for them to do so, and they would be maybe less of annoying dicks in the rest of their life. So I do see it as how it can turn into something really ugly, but I also see it as something that can be regulated in a way as being as healthy as it possibly can and being much preferable to the alternatives. I can't imagine what's on that list next. Well, masturbation time. Not literally. I'm not about to pull anything <laughs> out. Or is that... Oh, my God! <laughs> yes, I know. Seven inches of joy. <laughs> the... No. It's meditation time. It's meditation time, yes. The anti-masturbation... Uh, she asked, where does the anti-masturbation sentiment come from? I don't know, man. Same... Uh, same group again. I'm afraid we keep hammering on the same point today. Which There's the old is, pilgrim uh, with his big black hat and uh, yeah. the, the, the devil's in your in your wiener. Watch out. Yep. A lot of religious traditions seem to, definitely Christianity, but a bunch of religious traditions seem to have these very weird attitudes when it comes to sex, you know, where it's just so... Which, when you think about you mean it, like a group that's led by celibate men, right, might have some weird ideas towards sex. Yeah, that's not the healthiest thing in the world. Well, at least they don't mess with the children. Oh wait, that's not. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it at all. I mean, it's. Com 
left to your own devices, you are going to discover this trigger. Yeah. Ah, talk about a trigger. I mean, speaking of triggers, like shitload of kids before they even know what sex is, they do strange things with their teddy bears or rub left and right or do things. Why? Because it's fucking simple. It feels good. Mm -hmm. That's why. So why in the world should you make Something that natural and basic, should you make it weird? Not I understand weird. Shameful. shameful, exactly. I understand you say, okay, maybe not in front of your grandma. Your grandma <laughs> is a little weird about stuff like that. So I I don't even know how to explain it, but I get it. You know, that makes sense to me. But you know, it's the same way as anything else. It's like learn context is key. But other than that, Jesus, man, lay off. It's like there was, uh, remember the guy who created Kellogg Cornflakes? With, yeah, yeah. He sold anti-masturbation yeah. campaign. He had these old things that he would sell to keep kids from touching themselves. And he would, fuck, man. It's like, as we are saying in the episode with Nick Gregoriades before this one, yeah. if... Uh, I go too Don't make many. your hobby your job? Yeah. No, wait, that wasn't. That it. was a different one. <laughs> if I have too many if I have too many days without an orgasm, it's like I read something that Rogan wrote recently about he was sick for a week and he couldn't exercise. And he was saying now his mind, he felt like he was so much edgier and more nervous and he was kind of losing it. And when he finally got to go running again, he was like, Oh my fucking God. This feels so good, right? And his thing was like I know so many people who never exercise. It's like, how does that, how can you go through life every day the way I felt for the past week and be healthy, mentally healthy, you know? And it's like, and I feel the same way when it comes to, to sex. It's like going, and again, everybody's got a different body, so who knows? I'm not generalizing or telling you what you should do with your life, but in my experience, going too many days without an orgasm you don't want to be in my brain at that point. My brain turns into a... Everything pisses me off. I'm nervous. I'm edgy. I'm more anxious. And suddenly it's orgasm time. And it's like, ah, oh, life makes sense again. Everything is You good. have a happy orgasm counting known? Yes. Happy orgasm. That's why, you know, every so often, if I by any chance forget, I hear ding, 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 and the orgasm counting gnome who lives on my... Uh, <laughs> Night shall say, hey, man, what's going on? What's going on? It's, My arm's a little bit uh, yeah, frisky. I need a workout, and you are turning into an annoying, unpleasant asshole. Can you please do something about it? And then I'm like, of course, orgasm counting. No, I'm for, sorry for forgetting, and thank you for your wise advice. Let me take care of business. And then you're like, oh, you are so right. It makes for an entire happier house. Yes. You know? As long as uh, additional releases through the week take the pressure off of chasing your wife or whomever around and uh, that makes them happy too yeah that's the thing even in a relationship people are weird they're like okay if i'm in a relationship i can only have sex with you and it's like if the timing works out great but sometimes you just need an orgasm and it's actually fucking less respectful to me to be just hounding somebody's like please please i just need to get off so be of service versus hey you're not in the mood or you are in whatever no problem. I'll go take care of myself, and yep. we are both happier with our day, or vice versa. I'm not ready in the for mood, you next time. and you are in the mood. Uh, kind of doesn't. Oh, great! You take care of yourself, and everything is easier. Everything is so. Um, you know, 
I'm a masturbation crusader. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the concept, as we mentioned. It's like it's, I can't wait to see your costume. Right? <laughs> and for those of you guys who have no idea what we're talking about when we said the orgasm comes in Gnome, way, way, way long ago in uh, Drunken Taoist lore, we created the org- orgasm counting gnome. Was uh, I forget how the fuck we ended up there, but it was hilarious. Where there was, I think we were talking about OSHA troubles, and he was mad because his arm hurt because he had to ring the bell too many times around our house. And the poor guy, right? <laughs> and, the, and the job of the orgasm counting gnome is that when you, anytime you're having a glorious sex session, every time you have an orgasm, there's this little gnome who lives uh, on your night shelf who goes ding 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 and ring the bell to celebrate the event. And in some cases, you know, if Sings if blue chew comes in handy Sounds and like you an have, alarm clock up there. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, can you stop? My bicep hurts. <laughs> I'm gonna sue you for repetitive motion, uh, all of that. Oh. So it's, uh, yeah, and it's definitely a lost t shirt. Yeah, that one is, uh, and of course, thank you for mentioning the t shirt. The Orgasm Counting Gnome is a key figure in our Dionysian Parade t shirt. He's there, he's there ringing the bell happily, <laughs> and uh. Counting three, because I think there was something about, there was a story about three orgasms in a row. So there's a, yeah, orgasm counting gnome is one of our proudest creation. If we leave nothing else to the universe with the drunken Taoist, the, the invention of the drunken, uh, of the... It's good enough. Uh, absolutely. Good or, enough. Orgasm counting gnome. Everybody should have one in their house. Yeah. And if he's not ringing a bell, get him to work. Yes. He, he, he gets sad if it doesn't work. <laughs> question by Mr. Armando Roman. Um, when should you give up on a family member when they aren't putting any effort into anything more than the bare minimum? Oh. That's, a, that's a heavy one, but it's a good one. Does he have a, a, a situational description in any way? Yeah, so... For example, he says uh, his mom only invites family over for Christmas Eve so that the daughter, his daughters can get their presents. But basically neither one of their parents ever put any energy into him, into his family, other than, uh, you know, it's like they live a few minutes away, hardly ever talk, hardly... And he's trying and he feels like, okay, what's the point? If you're, if you're not reciprocating, if you don't seem interested in into having these why you know he said nothing ever happened bad between us there was never a huge argument or anything and um mom got mad when he he had a daughter and i don't know if it because he was a daughter or because just having kids in general or whatever the hell and after that that's kind of where the flip started happening the only interaction that takes place is usually on social media when his mom uh, reply to his post on Facebook saying how he needs to be saved and needs to accept Jesus. And he say, you know, I got nothing against religion, but, you know, it's like, for example, I have a tattoo of a baby Krishna on my arm because I read the Bhagavad Gita, thanks Duncan Trussell, <laughs> and that got me out of a long depression. And I find Hinduism fascinating, but, you know, it's not like I'm hardcore into anything. But, you know, his mom is like, baby Krishna is a demon. And, you know, it's seem to be the same theme that we dance around with which is like some really 
unhealthy fundamentalist views, whether they apply to sex or whether they apply to other things, seems to really fuck life up in lots of ways. And he's got kids too. Huh? And he's got kids. And so at one point he's like, dude, I just, his thing is, I just don't want to try anymore. You know, I feel like I've given my all in the past. I don't really see the point. Now, of course, there's maybe an element of guilt there of like, hey, you know, it's like, should I? After all, they are my parents. After all, they are my, you know, it's like everybody's got those things in their life where they feel that. Um, I think he's kind of answering his own question, but I actually agree with him on there that there's a point where Look, enough's enough. Try once, try twice, try three times. There's a point where eventually, what's why continue? You know, it's like you can only bang your head against the wall so many times before it just stops making sense. I no, I don't blame him at all. I mean, it is your family, and um, my wife had her cousin pass away recently, and she had an opportunity to go back and talk to folks she hadn't talked to in 13 years. And there were some that were actually happy to see her, and it was nice to um, interact with them again. But for the rest, it was the same horse shit it had always been. So, you know, some folks are never going to change. Yeah. And no matter what you do, torturing your children with this trip over for Christmas, you know, remove that from her for a little few years and see how mom reacts to that. Right. And if she's just going to be hateful to you, there's no reason to endure it. Yeah. I had a crazy, um, I went to visit some friends last fall that I had not seen in a long time. And it turned out the wife had completely separated from her family over Trump. Well, yeah, the political stuff gets pretty. And they were like 100% in. And now her sister and her family, they are estranged. Right. Yep. Over that. Yep. Because it just reached a point where even a visit that was supposed to be benign and friendly and let's right. have dinner would explode into insanity well and that's the thing is like i think i got the this wasn't a question for us but i got an email from somebody else who was describing a similar situation where he was like look a lot of the people i grew up in are so nice to me on a personal level yeah but their politics are so fucking weird that as soon as we if it ever comes up it turns into a giant fight every time yeah and so it's uh a little odd because these are not bad human beings in the sense that they are, you know, they can be really good friends, but they are also really good, incredibly racist friends who say the weirdest shit that I can't go along with. And so how can we, and you know, the, what this guy was doing, which obviously is different than the scenario that Armando is describing is we, I had a long conversation with some of them and we have an agreement that they need to, I'm not going to bring my shit to them. They need to stay the fuck out. Like if you start saying racist, racist stuff in my presence, we're going to have a problem. If you're starting saying, so how about, you know, we keep that out. And the fact that there has been an affection from growing up together and we have been to each other's kids' birthday party in a cool way and we can be supportive of one another on a purely non-ideological level let's try to keep that alive that we shouldn't throw away why not and i'm like <laughs> and i think in fact i i go back and forth on that because i see it both ways yeah. you know what armando is describing makes perfect sense to me it's like dude you tried you tried twice you tried three times you are very different human beings what's the point of continuing you know on the other end the other question i have is is it all about you know do we need to uh, click ideologically for us to click as human beings. 
That's a question that I don't know how to answer because I feel both ways. I both feel that like, hey, if every, if every value we stand for is opposite, how are we friends? On the other hand, there's an element where it's like, man, we can have some really awesome interaction where the energy that's being passed back and forth is so pleasant. So maybe there's something like the other day, somebody. As long as you don't hit my trigger words, right? <laughs> <laughs> somebody, I was working out with somebody, super nice to me, right? Sweet, polite, very cool person. We we're training martial arts. They were really. And then you know, I start looking at some of their stuff, and I was like, "Holy shit!" That's basically everything I disagree with on Earth is there in their stuff, right? But I'm like. Should I just be say fuck you because I hate his ideology, even though on a personal level he's been nothing but kind to me? It's a complicated one, right? Because it's like maybe and maybe and this is the uh, keep in mind I'm talking out loud here because I don't know how I feel about this. This is what I'm kind of rationalizing as on the spot, but maybe there's something to be said for if you don't bring it up in front of me in an offensive fight. I mean, we can have a conversation, right? You can say your piece, I can say mine, we'll disagree. If we keep it polite and then ultimately we go back to we're nice to each other, maybe. But if you start bringing it up all the time in personal interactions and if in the process of doing so you're unpleasant about it, well, then everything changes, you know? And this is just friendships you're talking about. Yes. With yes. the original question of family. Family is trickier, of course. That's and even and that one is so different difficult. too, because that one is not even where the interaction is pleasant and the ideologies are different. Is the interaction is unpleasant there, flat out. Yeah. And there's seemingly no effort from the other side to bridge that. So in Armando's case, I would say, yeah, fuck these people. Just like no. We are done. There's nothing left. The fact that you are my blood relative, that's sweet. That doesn't really mean shit. I you, think I, I would unfortunately still kind of try to hold an olive branch out occasionally just to think maybe somebody would come to their senses because it would be heartbreaking to lose your family like that over he, insanity. But if you're getting punched in the face every time or yeah. getting this I love Jesus shit thrown at you, like that's going to fix it. Obviously, that's passive aggressive bullshit. And who wants to deal with that? And, you know, if you have the energy for it, you can just be superficially nice. And by superficial, I don't mean fake nice. I mean nice yeah, as in hope like... everybody's well. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're my mom. Yes, whatever. You're my dad. Yes, you're my brother. Whatever that may be, the relationship, right? It's like, I don't hate you. I wish for you to have happiness. We clearly don't click on 99% of levels. But that doesn't mean I need to say fuck you and die. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so let's let's share what we can pleasantly. And if it's 0.1%, let's go with it. And if it's 0.1%, it's probably not going to take you much effort. If the person agrees. If the person on the other end is throwing their shit in your face every time you try to have your 0.1% interaction, well, then we got a problem. Yeah. Because you're making it, you know, that was the olive branch that you are extending that gets to be swatted back. And it's like, well, okay, that's a different scenario. And it just doesn't make sense anymore. No. That's, that seems like that's where he's at now. That's and I, a drag. What, do you, what is it with these religious people that they think if they keep jamming it down your throat, eventually you're going to like it? 
Yeah, I mean it's dogmatism, right? And it's and it's the same thing. Even the what we theme discussed, seems to be going uh, over and over and over this week. Is is the same thing that we discuss in the episode we did, the last one that we did together, right? It's like my problem with this was not ideological, was not even. It's just when personally you start getting unpleasant and insulting that you cross a line that's different from just oh, we disagree about whatever the fuck, politics, religion, whatever that may be. That's not the real problem. The real problem is the if you choose to be an unpleasant dick, that's a problem, you know. So to me, that's where I understand what the other guy was saying about, hey, this person are really nice to me in person, as long as we put some ground rules and we stay away from all the things where we're gonna want to kill each other, we can have a pleasant interaction. Well, that's a if it works, great. If people keep breaking that, then then that's when you got an issue. That's yeah. when the problem. It just seems a lot of a lot of landmines to dodge yeah. and something like that. And I think when it comes to personal relationship, I'm just going to go on a minor tangent because it's not what Armando asked or it's not what the example we're going by ask. But it's a good conversation I was having last night with a friend. And he was bringing up a mutual friend of ours who doesn't return calls half of the time, who's uh, really kind of flaky. And so he's Friend number one was getting a little upset because he was arguing friend number two is not a friend. You know, you're only there when you need something and then you disappear, then fuck you. But and you'll I, hear from him the next time he needs something. And I was telling him yes and no. Because yes, you're right, that person is not a good friend. On the other hand, sometimes is not malicious. Sometimes if it's malicious, it's different. Well, fuck that person. They need to go. But like friend number two is a sweet, good person who's completely fucked up. So to me, it's like you're talking about a stray kitten that comes to you just for the milk and occasionally they let you pet it, but occasionally they bring out the clothes. What the fuck do you expect? You know, it's like they are their own first victim. This is somebody who's like every three moments is like two steps removed from suicide. It's like they are not doing it to you. They are not being a dick to you. They are being a dick to themselves because they are drowning. So to expect from them the same standard of, uh, oh, you know, you need to call back if I call you. It's like, yeah, in an ideal world, that would be sweet, but that's not that person you have in front. So I'm not saying you need to be a martyr and, oh, do everything for them. No, at some point, they need to get their shit together. But don't hold out. There's no need to be to feel hurt because they're not doing it to you, they're doing it to themselves, and there's no need to return it with anger. If you have the extra energy, and I think that was my connection to what we were saying earlier, if you have the extra energy, try to be kind to them and leave the door open if you can. And understand expecting nothing because you you realize that some people just don't have it, and that's just where it's at. And I was thinking... That may be a slightly healthier way to approach it than just say, you know, screw you, you didn't, you are not living up to your end of the bargain. It's like, of course, they're not living up to their end of the bargain. They can't even tie their fucking shoes on. You know, like, come on, man. It's like, cut them some slack if you can, you know. And um, I don't know, what's your take on that? I always try. To leave the door open a little bit, mm-hmm. even when you are disappointed. Right. Because uh, what are the real choices at that point? Okay, I'm going to get fiery and angry and add another ball of rage to bounce around inside me and burn me up internally. Yeah. Or just like you said, I mean, folks that their life's a wreck, 
They're never going to put it together. All you can really do is hope for the best for them. And when they do reach out, try to be there the best you can. Yeah. Seems fair. And sometimes impossibly difficult to execute. So that's the other thing. That's the other thing. It's easier said than done. I mean, theoretically. It's so situational yeah, that. Exactly. And if that person has pissed you off for the 700th time, yeah. or and, and, and maybe you set up trying to go do something 10 times and yep. it just never works out, you're just going to reach a point where it's like, fuck it. Yep. And so it's totally understandable. I mean, the whole dynamics with other people is so insane. Mm-hmm. You never know what. Do you ever know what anybody's saying? Life is a box of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. It's. Um, that's why it's interesting to talk about it, you know, because uh, there is no, again, there is no bestseller that tells you the seven rules to interact with other people. Always do this. And it's like, no, there's no always. It's nowism, there's right? never it's, an always. It's constantly changing and it's constantly different in one situation to the next. I must admit, you know, over the past 20 years, I have shifted in a lot of ways that I used to be walls up never again uh-huh. and throw away the key. And uh, I'm hardly ever that way anymore. I guess especially now that we're sort of in a season where people my age are dropping off. Right. Life's too short. Yeah. No, I'm with you. You know, if they did something horrendous and super terrible, that's one thing. But just sort of like basic slights and and silliness that somehow get shit. My my grandmother and, and, and another family relation fought over a grave site. Wow. For 30 years. Wow. And in the end, neither of them got it. Oh, that's funny. But, like, just to know that anything was going to be ruined if these two people showed up at this occasion, yeah. and it was going to be the same fucking thing again and again and again, that these old bags should have, you know, we should have split it in half and, and buried them standing on their feet <laughs> so they'd both fit. Right. You know, there are always solutions. But it took a while for me to kind of see the insanity of that because mm-hmm. at first it was like oh why is she treating granny that way that's not right and you get your teams up and these guys and those guys and now the whole Hatfield and McCoys are going off over some insane shit and off it goes and we seem to be so easily let into that yep and I think it makes a lot of things terrible How I don't know you? I think you put it perfectly man the tomatoes are in the ground it's a sunny day we had rain in May yeah Try to be kind to other human beings. Life is not. It's a short trip. And uh, I don't know where I heard it just recently that even if everything went your way. Yeah. Say like this next election cleaned up somehow. Somebody found a central core that struck a charm amongst Mm -hmm. everybody. And now everybody's happy. Everybody got their way. I don't know. The hateful people get to hate freely. but It's utopia. Everything works out. Then you're just going to sit around and worry about dying. Of course. Then you're just going to sit, you know, there'll, there'll always be, as soon as everything's oh, yeah. fixed, there'll be a brand new list totally. of shit to bitch about. But I think that's the point. Life is hard enough. Let's try to be kind to each other. Let's try to make life a little easier because it's fucking hard enough as it is. Are you familiar with the show that just came on Good Omens? No, I am not. It's a, Neil Gaiman is this great writer. I know the writer. I've read um, It's the great notion that an angel and a demon or a devil... I guess he's a demon. They've been hanging out together since uh, the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. So they've traveled through time and always trying to, you know, be snarky to yeah. each other. But they're actually friends at this point. And there's a great set of episodes where they're traveling through time. And there they are at the crucifixion. And they're nailing away. And the devil leans over to the angel and says, what was he telling them? 
And the angel said, be kind to each other. <laughs> and the devil said, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, okay, okay. So scratch what I said. Just be total dicks to each other. <laughs> crucifixion is not in my plans. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Hey, Kiva.org, $125,000 in loans from our awesome listeners. Check that out, badass people. Come join us, Kiva.org. Make a loan. Help out a stranger in the world, make their lives a little bit better. And when the money comes back, loan it again. Now, it's not exactly $125,000, but there are a few people who tossed us a couple of bucks. So we can say thank you to them. Let the pottering begin. So donations for this time. We got Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Luis Pesquera, Thomas Robinson, Ross Cranaham, Lisa Robles, and Andre Garapetian. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Sweet folks, we deeply appreciate you. Um, quick shout outs. Onnit.com for sponsoring us. Blue Chew, the amazing Blue Chew. Thank you so much. Grasslandbeef.com snowroast.com and nevertapgear.com check these guys out again i don't want to waste your time talking about it for 10 hours you guys know the drill if you can check their website and see if any of their products can help your life you do us a big favor and it may even improve your life so why not that all sounds great the amazon link again if you use amazon please use our link makes life so much easier and you don't spend an extra dime Special thanks to our pals at Daisy House for our iconic groovy music. Yes, indeed. Um, anything else we need to mention? Man, that's it. Have a great summer, everybody. Yes, indeed. Have a great one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs>
This was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's... <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well, <coughs> we'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's a bit too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss.